Welcome to Mother Food Season 2, Conversations that Nourish the Modern Mother. I'm your host, Elisa Timoshkina, food writer, author, curator, chef, and a mother, passionate about maternal empowerment through food and conversation. In this season, we meet women who forged inspiring careers in food, nutrition, and wellness, while also embracing lives as mothers. We talk about what it means to be a woman, a mother, and a creative. We share intimate moments of our complex journey with all the intricacies of our relationships to our bodies, our partners, and our children. And of course, there's a lot of talking about the food. I passionately believe that when women's voices come together to share stories, some magical transformation takes place. So, let's talk. Today, I have a really wonderful guest on the show. It is Romy Gill, a British Indian chef, food writer, author, and broadcaster. Romy also used to be the owner and head chef of Romy's Kitchen in Thornbury. And in 2016, she was appointed an MBE. You probably know her really well from her appearances on the new series of Ready Steady Cook as well as numerous cooking shows on the TV and the radio. Romy is the author of best-selling Zaika, Vegan Recipes from India, and you'll be glad to know that she is also working on a new cookbook. I certainly can't wait to see that. Romy and I have known each other for about four years now, and it really warms my heart to say that she played a really special part in my own career. Um, Romy hosted and organized uh, the most wonderful initiative called Seven Sisters uh, back in 2016, where she gathered a really lovely lineup of female chefs, and I was really flattered to have been included in that. Um, We cooked together in a really cozy, beautiful location in Bristol, raising money for charity. And it was from that evening that the seed of my own cookbook sprouted. Um, Romy's personal journey into food is so fascinating. She never trained as a professional chef, but she definitely more than deserves that title. Um, She started her career hosting cooking classes and also launching her own line of spices and chutneys. In 2013, Romy opened her own restaurant. The restaurant itself has a really fascinating history. So um, there's actually a really wonderful interview with Romy on a podcast called Food Tribe where she talks in detail about her career. So I highly recommend that. But in this podcast, and this episode, we focus on Romy as a mother, as a woman, as a creative, and as a wife. So it's perhaps a side of her that is not particularly known to many. So I was exceptionally delighted to dive into that area of her life. And... It's been really fun talking to Romy, as always. We talk a lot about her experiences of pregnancy and postpartum, um, which were not particularly easy. And again, I feel it's so important that we create the space for us to be vulnerable and open up about these experiences. 
there's also a lot of fun talking about being a mom of teenagers. Uh, this is something that is so alien to me right now, but as I have a little girl myself, I was really fascinated to hear about Romy's experience of being a mom of two teenage girls. We also talk beautifully about Romy's own mother who sadly passed away last year and what beautiful food legacies she left for Romy. There's also some talk about marriage and what does a successful marriage of 23 years look like. And above all, of course, we talk about food, its power to bring people together, food as an act of love and caring for your family, and also the magic that happens in the kitchens when women come together. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. And if you haven't tried Romy's food yet, please treat yourself to one of her recipes, which you can find online, as well as in her lovely cookbook. Hi, Romy. Welcome to Mother Food. As you know, I absolutely love what you do and um, you're such an amazing voice in the food industry. And also you're a mom of two girls, which is very close to my heart because I've got a girl too. So I really want to talk to you about all of that. Uh, but I wanted to start with a big question and ask, why is food so important in your life? Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's something motherhood and having two daughters, as you said. Um, it's a beautiful journey, have been with them, but also they're teenagers now. So it's a, it's a challenge. Um, but for me, food actually has played a really huge part in my growing up years because uh, my dad and mom, they, you know, as you know, India is such a big country. And my parents are from Punjab, but they, my dad worked in a steel plant in East India which is West Bengal. So I think I grew up with the food that people all over from all came from all over India and they ate, um, you know, the, they cooked food from different parts of India. Food is very regional in India. So I think I grew up eating different kinds of dishes, different kind of Indian cuisine. Um, so it helped me to understand the flavors of Indian cuisine. And that is why I think I was able to to um to you know build my career around that i think food was something really helped me and saved me in a time when you come to a different country um you don't have any friends and and family here um and you know if you make something and people passing by smell that food and i think i made my friends my neighbors and everybody wherever i went i think i made through food so i think food has always played a very important part in my life that's beautiful it really is a connecting point isn't it like you can yeah. bond almost with anyone when you share a passion or a memory connected to a, a dish and speaking of memories what are your most vibrant or most special food memories that you cherish i think it, it's got to be with my my friends um in school in university because Street food was something very cheap in India, you know, and it wasn't like 
like the kids over here, they work, they have their pocket money or they have, you know, we had our pocket money the way we were growing up and things like that. But what we would do is for a week or five of us, you know, we were five friends for five days, we would put the money on the table. If somebody's got 50 rupees or somebody's got hundred rupees, we'll, it didn't bother us that one's got less, one's got more. We would put all that in a, in a, you know, in a, in a, in a bag and see how much we have. And then we'll eat every single day, different kinds of, of street food. I think those days will never come back. You know, also going through train journeys with some journeys would take longer than 24 hours. And my mom would make this beautiful picnic uh, for the train, um, you know, eating, having on the train, but also every station when the train stopped in different states, we would buy something. A mom would buy, negotiate with the with the vendor to buy some fruits of that state, or um, you know, any anything kind like um, any food or street food. Mom would mom would buy that for us. But I think those things now, because we travel with air or you know, going through flights, you don't have the same sense that you had then on the train journey, you're reading a book or looking through passing all those orchards, uh, people sitting and women going, you know, with heavy things on their heads and, uh, you know, collecting water or wood uh, for their homes. And those little stories tell, a person can, you know, you can write a story looking at one person. So I think those things will will never come back. And I write always, and I always talk about these because these are something, my, my daughters wouldn't be able to do that. Mm, that's so beautiful and it really um, evokes my own memories of train journeys because obviously um, you know yeah. to India Russia is a huge uh, place and traveling across you know from one place to another can take days and as you say you you know you sit by the window and you have your little picnic but also you see different you know how different you know landscapes change and yeah. changes so it really is a beautiful experience and, and also you meet people on the train my brother-in-law and my sister met on the train journey and then no they got married so i think yeah train journeys are i think they're fascinating still fascinating to me yeah i agree with you completely and i wanted to talk a little about your mom i know sadly she passed away last year um but i know she was quite a big figure in your life and um i wanted to ask you about her and especially what kind of food did she cook for you i think um, mom was, uh, I was talking to someone this afternoon as well, that my parents, even if they lived, you know, lived in India and they come from a generation where, um, you know, sometimes they, they don't understand certain religion or certain culture, but they're so open-minded and so diversified in their own and they're very wonderful they were you know my mom and, and dad they're wonderful people who would take on to other cultures other people beautifully without even you know judging anyone i think that's what they taught us always that you don't have to follow one religion you just have to respect the people the way you respect that's what you're gonna if you speak to somebody rudely that's what's gonna happen so i think mom mom my mom's life revolved around us three kids you know she would uh, make a cook breakfast in the morning or any even if we are having um, just a toast or something she'll make something beautiful in the morning before we went to school pack lunch for us you know she would never let us have school dinners and then we come back we'll, from school we'll have a snack and then 
and then we had all had supper or dinner together. So I think she played such a huge part in that she enjoyed cooking. It wasn't a chore for her. She cherished those things with us. And she always used to say, these are the only years you guys are going to go and travel and make your own life. This is what I have of you. And I want to be you know, around you. And I think even when we had exams or it was stressful time, she would make something different. So it calms the nerves. Um, and also she was very, char- very charming and also full of flavor in a sense that she did things uh, on her you know terms that she was very produced you know and anything she would cook was seasonal local sustainable um and she would not you know have anything that was that that what we are talking about now in this country you know so i think for her you know i would just see how beautifully with a cumin seed she would create a dish that without any effort effortless and make a dish wonderful i think that is what you don't have to be a great chef or a cook you you have in your hands you know you have that i think that's what i learned and also my mom would always say that be positive when you're cooking always laugh you know don't show the stress in you because that will show in your food so always try to be very positive when cooking. I, t- I tried. <laughs> I tried that. Always try that, you know, when I'm running and doing th- certain things. But I try it. But yeah, she, I've learned a lot from her. And, and I do miss her. And, um, and I grieve in my own way. And there are days that I miss her terribly. I could pick up a phone and, and speak to her. Mom, this dish is not working out like this. How can I do it? Um, You know, that those things or... You know, she wouldn't be there for my daughter's graduation or if she gets married and all those things, I, I think. But, um, but I, I now, I get emotional about talking about it. But I also at the time, I, I know she's, all, she was, she's always going to live within us because, mm-hmm. you know, she, I now cherish her memories rather than we celebrate. Like I speak to my dad and he'll say, let's celebrate her. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, just see the negative side of it, see the positive side that what she's given you all and see that and cherish her in those memories. So I think she was amazing. I, I do miss her, but, you know, that's what it is. Mm. And is there any dish that you cook to celebrate her? Um, parathas, because my friends still remember um, her through parathas, which are stuffed bread and, and she would make more than 100 different recipes you know um and um, everybody still when my friends from school came um for her funeral and they would said oh we'll miss auntie's parathas mm. you know in india we say auntie or mm-hmm. you don't say with the names yeah. or we're gonna you know miss her so much of her parathas i think also she welcomed my friend she welcomed people at home she would never get cross why have you invited a friend home for dinner or or anything she would never she'll say okay that's fine i'll make two more so i think that what i have learned is welcoming people like you know you know when we did seven sisters um, it was about something that all women coming together and and doing creating the dishes that we are we've come from all different parts of the world and 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 you know celebrate those dishes i think that is what i have probably learned from mom and i miss her paratas definitely (laughs) (laughs) and when you cook them does it do they taste as good as hers 
Have no, I don't think I would ever be able to create the magic she did. <laughs> Another thing that interests me in um, Indian culture is that there's a real presence of a strong female figure. Like I remember from my film studies years, we watched uh, Mother India, you know, really iconic yeah. film. And that kind of character of a really strong, incredible woman is something that is iconic. But at the same time, there's a lot of um, kind of conventional sexism as well. So women often um, are secluded to their homes and they don't really have, um, you know, as much kind of freedoms as men would do. How was it like for you growing up? What kind of ideas around, you know, womanhood and especially being an independent woman um, did you absorb and how did it work for your own sense of self? I think for, as I said before, my parents never forced us to, to do things that, you know, they've always said that, you know, my dad and mom weren't very educated people, but they made sure that we were educated. We went to private school. We went to English medium school. We could speak English and they can't, you know. Um, so I think all those things, factors for my dad was to work, for him to work hard so he could provide for his family and also never differentiated between um, I'm a middle child, you know, my sister's elder to me than I, I am and my brother. They never differentiated between a son and a, and a daughter. They, we were all equal. We all went to private school. We all went to English medium school. We all had, if there is somebody's um, 18th birthday, we celebrated. They equally celebrate the special birthdays or occasions. They never differentiated, even when my daughters were born, they never said, oh, there's, you know, we don't have a boy in the family or anything. I think that is also because where my, my dad worked. In, you know, I think if he lived in Punjab, maybe he would have been different, you know. But because he went out of Punjab and worked in a steel plant where he met so many different people um, from different parts of India and how they treat women. Um, and I think that also played a big factor in that. And also, they never. So I, I always say, like a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm the middle child, and my my parents back in India treated me like this, so I was left out, or or anything, or, or if or I'm a second daughter." Um, I have never been, so I cannot comment on it. You know, for me, it was always very now as well. My dad, you know. Um, this is what me and daughter, my daughter, I had to take my daughter somewhere today. And um, we were laughing about it because they call my dad Nanu. So my when my dad was here when my mom passed away last year. And my daughter went to this pride with her friend and they did to Bristol. And then my dad went to pick her up. And, and he asked my daughter, what's happening? This is all beautiful and colorful. And my daughter explained, and then my husband explained to Gandhi, explained to her, and my dad was, oh, that's cool. That's super cool. So my daughter saw that how her granddad is fabulous. It's amazing. And he thinks this is cool. So I think that, and oh, if my daughter wears shorts or anything, my dad never says anything. Or we did that as well. We wore, you know, there are families I know that you had to wear certain outfits. You had to cover your head or you can play out with the boys. I used to play cricket all the time with the boys, you know. So there were rules. There are rules and they, there are a lot of things for women. Still in India, it, takes, it will take years and generations to change the minds. But I think I was very, very lucky and... Uh, you know, that I had those parents and I would always choose those parents if I had the 
you know, if I've been given an opportunity, I will always have them as my parents. I think they never di differentiated. And I think that's what came in. I, as I have two daughters, beautiful daughters, I, we never once thought why we, we didn't have a boy or, you know, uh, it, it would be a complete family if we had a boy. It doesn't. And have you ever felt any pressure to have children, you know, because you are a woman? It's interesting because my I mean, I come from a very open-minded family as well, but even so, I still felt, until now, I still felt a very subtle pressure that, you know, oh, well, you're a woman, you should have children. I think, um, I think I, I me and Gundi did things very differently to Indian things. Um, we, I, I was, I, I expect, I had my first child when I was, you know, over 30. I had, I conceived with Reed when I was 30 years old. Um, so she, she was the, you know, I just wasn't forced to anything. I just, and it wasn't that your time is ticking up. You have to have a baby in late twenties or whatever. That's why in India they marry and then have babies. And I think she, things are changing. Educated families are changing. Um, I was never pressured. I was always like, because we are the first generation in this country, I wanted to have a house. I wanted to have that not I, both of us wanted to have, you built a house that we, we can provide to our children. You know, we didn't want it to be in a rented flat or rented house or anywhere. So I think we didn't have a pressure. We made our choices. And I don't think my in-laws ever forced me even because they live in India and, and I, they never really forced me. I've never I had someone said that you have to have your, your clock is ticking that you have to have it. But I have some friends who, were pressurized and they they had to do that they had to make their choices but that's the choice they live up to and I think me and Gundeep are quite different generation you know and he comes from a little bit strict family and and you know but he you met him so many times he's a man you know very few men you would find <laughs> he's he's a he's one of a kind I would say he's wonderful yes and I I'd love to ask you about him as well in a little while um but i wanted to talk more about your journey into motherhood and your experience of becoming a mother how did it happen for you as i said earlier that we want made, made sure we, as being a first generation we wanted to make sure we were we able to provide um you know for our children uh, everything i think it was eventually we decided we'll have have a baby and we've settled now i wanted to have a baby there was no pressure but the my pregnancies were so difficult they were both emergency one was emergency cesarean and the next one i planned it um it was the pregnancies were so being a you know expecting there was so i had really bad you know, I threw up till five months. And oh, wow. those um, times, I think they were really, I, I, with Neve, I looked literally ill. I was so ill. I couldn't keep anything in my stomach, not even water. So um, after five months, after six months, I think I was fine. But I think my pregnancies were very, very difficult and very different from each other. But uh, having, you know, once the babies were born, once the girls were born, they were joy to have it because Neve was completely a blessing. She would, she never ever, uh, you know, ever to sleep in a cot, never ever troubled us. But Reed was like, she wanted to sleep with me. She wouldn't go in a cot. She would scream her lungs out. Uh, so they're so different children. But um, I think Gundi was more 
is more calmer and more, I think also, you know, as moms, we get tired. You're feeding the baby. You know how it is. You're thinking about 10 other things to do or niche. I need to cook. I need to eat as well. Or sometimes you even forget all that. Oh, I need to yeah. do the washing. I need to make sure we have enough for the, you know, enough things for the house. I think it's not that the men can't do it. It's general less of women. We have that kind of instincts. And mm-hmm. Gundeep was very hands-on. He took time off. Um, with both pregnancies and I, I just think that as a I, I found pregnancies for me were very, very difficult, but after having, um, you know, a cesarean as well, that was quite difficult. I wasn't able to do certain things, but I, when we lived in Watford, because we before living here, we lived in, uh, not, we didn't live in Watford, the both were born in Watford, we live in Kings Langley. I had still have really amazing friends, you know, from there, from the NCT group. And we had such a good bond that we would help each other. So I think, Sometimes you need that. You don't. You need others to help you. You know. I always say to people, when babies are born, don't give any clothes. Don't send any flowers. Give them food. Oh, you yes. need food. Food yes. is something I always say to everyone. I said, just food is. Um. You know, Gundeep's auntie who lives in London, she would come and cook for me, put in the fridge, and and look after me. I think those are the things. Um that I, I found as a motherhood is very, very important because that's the time when you're exhausted. Sometimes your baby's getting up or teething or something's happened, you know. You don't know as a first-time mother, you don't know. You know, I used to ring my mom at, like she's fast asleep and she, I would ring her and say, oh, mom, this has happened, what can I do? Rather than ringing a doctor, you know. So I think, I think as a first-time parent, I found it a bit difficult because I didn't know certain things to do. But with the second one, you just like, oh, we can do this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, motherhood for me, um, I think the pregnancies were probably more difficult than having a child. And then, you know, they were both really placid girls. They were very calm and they didn't have any tantrums. Reed started walking when she was like 14 months old. No, she started walking when she was, Neem was 14 and Reed was like eight months old or nine months wow. while she was holding and walking with the sofa and everywhere. So you were busy from the so get-go. She, I had to lock everything up. Uh, and she would want our food. She wouldn't eat other food, you know. So she was, I think that's what Neve was quite placid in a sense that she was such a joy to have. It's not that Reed wasn't a joy. Reed, you had to run around Reed, you know, mm. just com- completely run around with her. Neve was just like, make us sit somewhere. She's fine. <laughs> it always amazes me how different children can be in the same family and it always like wonders well you know how much of your own input you know each child takes on because they're so different you know one of them is more calm but the other one is more boisterous yet you obviously parents them the same way exactly and also i I just i don't know reet was probably um gundeep used to say that he was like that as well very curious and wanted to know everything wanted to do what when he was a child his mom would say that so then maybe he got a bit of Gundeep and I was like me very content in my own world despite the fact that you had a difficult pregnancy how did you manage well not maybe manage but how did you get the inspiration to have a second child oh gosh if I had my way I would only had one (laughs) (laughs) he always wanted two children he was like no it's it's if you have one child the child is very lonely and um, 
you know, this is not India. My friend is one, only one child and my niece is only a one child and my brother only has one as well. So I think we the family of having one children and I was like, I just want one. And then Nagundi said, it's nice to have another child for, for the, you know, for having a sibling for your, for your child. So I think that's what we decided. We didn't argue anything. We just decided, yeah, that's fine. Having two children and we just had it in a way that two and a half years gap I didn't want it to have a too long gap either. So they kind of grew up together and they're quite close to each other. They're quite good friends. What role did food play in those early years of being a mother? And especially um, the transition from having one child to being pregnant again and having your second daughter? Uh, I think we moved, um, you know, when we, uh, we used to live we lived in Scotland for a while, and when I was hugely pregnant with Reek, um, I moved. We moved to to Kings Langley to be near Gundip's cousins. But then after that, I think with Gundip's job, we moved to. We wanted to move away uh, to to this side, but uh, then I got pregnant with Neve. Uh, but I had so many so many people that I still get keep in touch. All the friends that I didn't feel like, um, how would I explain? I didn't feel lonely or anything. I was really content in the, in the, where we were living and had really good friends, had good neighbors. Then conceiving with Neve, it was such a nightmare because I was so ill. I was so ill, I couldn't do anything with Reed. And that made Reed really, you know, that child who's running around, want to do things in the park, go in the park and play with others. I just didn't have the energy to go anywhere. But I had really lucky. I had a neighbor who would, you would come and sit with me, Reed, or or she would give, she was an older, elderly lady and she would, or Reed would just go to her house because we lived in a flat. Um, and um, so I, I just didn't have energy to go around anywhere. I really li- literally looked ill uh, for, for six months. I, I just couldn't keep water or anything like that. But everything was fine. Um, it's just, you know, one of those pregnancies was so different, you know. Um, with Reed, I just couldn't walk because she was so low down, you know. And with me, she was like up here, like a football. <laughs> so um, both my daughters, as you know, Gundi was six foot four. Both my daughters were very long babies. And I think um, Neve was born premature. Not premature. She was born. They had to do operation um, 36 months, you know just literally after 30, 36 months because they thought her body and her head is not in proportion. She was just a very long baby. Um, so that was like plans is there we had to do. I think having, I think the second pregnancy, I found it very difficult because I just didn't have energy to, to even cook for Gundeep or, I mean, he didn't, he would do everything when he would come home and he'll say, don't do anything because he, I felt really tired all the time mm. and you know yet I had an, a child who was perfectly fine and I was fine in my I was working in my pregnancy but this time I wasn't working anyway I had I left work but I um I was exhausted and but I I, I always used to say why did you have to ask me to have another child you know <laughs> I know when you're hormonal you say all these yeah. things but eventually after six months I could I could eat certain things um, and you know, I, and my, I, the sense of smell was so strong. I could smell yeah. something which I'd never been able to smell. <laughs> and so I think 
I found really difficult, but having Neve after was such, she was such a joy. She was such a joy. And, and Reed completely changed as well. Having a baby, you know, her baby in the house, she would help me. She wanted to get involved. And a child who was like, wanted to run around, just, just was calmer. Maybe, you know, I didn't know, wanted to do things with me for Neve. Or she would say, mom, you know, mommy, I'll stay here. I'll go for a, whereas with Reed, I couldn't go to the toilet. I had to actually take her in the car seat to go even to the toilet or having a shower because she yeah. would cry if I wasn't there. But whereas Neve was completely different, I could, I could leave her and do things. So, I, you know, pregnancies, being a mom or having a baby are so different to, to one another. I found it that both my pregnancies were different and I, my hormonal, you know, sense was different mm-hmm. and everything. I, completely different, different to one another. So I, I don't know how would I, I explain to you. It's just, it was a, you know, different journey to one, yeah. to, to another child. Yeah. So the, yeah, asking back to your question, it was yeah something that we eventually decided that it's always nice to have two kids. That's wonderful. And I take my hats off to you because now part of me really wants to have another one, but um, just the thought of, you know, looking after a busy toddler and being, I mean, my pregnancy was really positive, but you know, you never know, they can be different, but also just, you're still very exhausted. Even if you're feeling okay in general, it's just the level of tiredness is unbelievable. And are there any traditional dishes in India that are made specifically for pregnant women or for early postpartum? Are there any, maybe Ayurvedic? Some things like, um, you know, some things which are really hot for your body, some seeds or some foods are very hot for your body. They don't recommend you to eat during your pregnancies. Um, you know, then when you are having, you have a, had a child, so in, especially in Punjab, you know, where my parents are from, they would make this drink with black cardamoms and cumin and um, black pepper. Uh, what else do they put? Cinnamon, cassia bark. They would boil it, you know, and green cardamoms. They would boil it and bring it to a level and fennel seeds. I think there are six or seven um, different whole ingredients. And then they would boil it, boil it. And then they would, it's like a kara. And they would put in a bottle, then you drink it. So it's very good for your body when you're breastfeeding your Mm -hmm. child. Um, it, It also goes to your child. So it's very, very good for you. And then... Also, also again in Punjab, that in, during your labor, they'll give you this milk with full of sugar and ghee and turmeric. So the baby comes mm. out smoothly. <laughs> so I don't know how smoothly that is because I didn't have the, the pleasure of having a natural birth. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, they do that. And also they make this pinny, which is like laddu, like bowls, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, with flour, a lot of ghee, sugar and some dry fruits in it. And then they, you, can, you can keep for a month, over a month, they keep in, in an in a airtight container. They'll make this um, things for the, for the mother, you know, when you had the baby to eat that, um, which is not very good for your hips. I'm not very, I'm not a fan of it because it just sits on your hips. <laughs> um, and yeah, there are so many traditions because also for one month, they don't let you go out. Mm. I mean, I did. We are here. We didn't have anybody. But for a month, like certain, like most most Indian uh, states, they don't let you let the mom to go out. I think it's the best thing for the women because I think it's really important for your body to heal. Um, and also, 
that's some for some women that's like a holiday because mm. they're working hard all the time in the kitchen and in the house that's probably a holiday in a sense that they don't have to do anything yeah. <laughs> um you know ex- years ago my dad dad's grandma she had 14 kids wow oh my god you know, wow 14 kids and some died and some well you know even you know, some lasted seven kids i don't know um she would say that all these stories to us you know how she would just the babies would come out while she's you know milking the cows or whatever <laughs> like i don't know whether you used to i used to ask daddy she real real telling me <laughs> really or just a fake no dad said it is the truth you know some villages things still are different but i just think there are some religious things that rituals or customs that people follow and is great you let your body heal which we don't let here a cesarean when i had cesarean both of them they made me sit up have a wash didn't let your body heal which is fine you have a wash and you know you just go home within two days even if you're private or something you go home within two days and at home sometimes you don't have that help which you have in india there are a lot of families who live joint families there like all live together the help you will have you don't have that here so it's really good that the partners can take paternity you know you know time off so be able to help your partner so i, I think i was really lucky that gundeep could do or gundeep's auntie could come and cook for me i think sometimes it's you think your body's healed but it's not healed really you need that time off and you're breastfeeding your child and you know it's all everything is is natural but it's also really exhausting mm-hmm Yeah, how was breastfeeding for you? Um, I think with Reed it was a bit tricky because it's the first time it was a bit tricky for me and my nipples were really sore and hard and eventually, you know, and also eventually you know how to do all those yeah, things. Yeah. But I think I had a really really good um what are they called? Health yeah. visitors. Yes, yes, they come home and they're really nice, you know. She was amazing for both of Reed and Neve. She was the one and she would really help me through and i would say like this is happening or that's happening i think sometimes when you find somebody really good and all these people need to be really nice to you because you you're going through so much emotions in your life you know mm. and sleepless nights you know no matter what people say you always end up having sleepless night you know yeah. before pregnancy because you want to go to the toilet every time after pregnancy because you are like your child is getting up to your breastfeeding it absolutely you're uh, two years you don't really have sleep exactly yeah i'm counting now if you count like the last three or four months of pregnancy you know it's two and a half years for me now that i haven't actually had a continuous sleep and i love yeah. my sleep so it's it's starting to take its toll that's why i used to feel. take nap when they would take nap i would take a nap 10 minute nap whatever that's very clever that yeah just gives you i think that's when i was able to do that and i was able to do when i had the restaurant i would just sit somewhere and take a 10 minute nap Amazing. um i could do that easily but a lot of people can't do it and i cannot go over 10 minutes the moment i go 10 over, over 10 minutes nap power nap i just i feel then i feel like really tired, mm. tired. i think that's the trick isn't it that it has to be quite short and that's where you get your best kind of restorative sleep if you go over yeah. it then you feel drowsy and more tired yeah, yeah absolutely no yeah I'm, it, it was a joy to be with the girls but there were moments that you think oh 
almost. Why did I have the babies? Why do I want this? But I think now when looking at back, it's, um, I know, I, I wouldn't change for anything. Mm. No, it's wonderful. And yeah, you're so right that it's important to say that it is challenging because otherwise, you know, it's, I think it's almost our duty as women to share these stories for other generations and for other women to relate to because if we just power through but don't really admit how difficult it can be. I think a lot of new moms who are going, going to have babies who are expecting, I think you need to have good circle of friends. So mm. You don't need 10 friends, even one is enough. Or somebody you can even just rely and talk to. You know, sometimes I would just talk to my health with her. She was amazing. She would every single week. I don't know what now is. She would ring me, you know, because we had just moved from Scotland. She would ring me with Reed and she would ask me if I was okay and how it is. You know, sometimes you can be in your coop and you don't know people. And then it can be really hard for you. And I think same things. There are people who, you know, like I know would not talk about the pregnancies you know, they've, they've had, they've gone through, they won't talk about, we think they're, they're not hard enough, you know. It's not because as a mother, as a mom, as a woman, I think we all go through a body gives up certain time and you need, um, you, you need to talk about your emotions to other. You cannot, sometimes can't talk to your partner and maybe they won't understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And a woman might be able to understand more better. Um, said that I mean Gundi was brilliant but some things he couldn't understand you know why one moment I'm up and then one moment I'm going down I think um, you know there were certain things my doctor was really good as well she would pick up like um, you know you, you've got the I think how what was this called depression blues or oh baby uh, blues yeah so she's there she you need to help her you need to take time off she would you know if the doctors can pick all those things up Mm -hmm. rather than us struggling through it you know I, I had a really good GP and I had a good health visit I think that really helped me as well coping mm -hmm. better because with Reed I was I didn't know what I was doing I, and my parents couldn't come they did come they could came later like she was born in March and they came in May because they couldn't come at that time I think when they came I could breathe you know with my parents mm -hmm. they could look after her and they could do you know even feed her if I'm, I would you know if I could pump they could feed her with the bottle but she was such a naughty child she wouldn't feed from a bottle she it had to be um I wouldn't say naughty she was just I think she just liked to yeah. be with me you know yeah. and she only I breastfed her for a long time and then and she would sleep here Lisa on my chest yeah she, would <laughs> she wouldn't sleep on the side she would she thought if we put her on the side she'll have to go in the court she never slept in her court, not one single day. <laughs> so we gave up. She would sleep with us. Yeah. Well, you know, we had someone else like that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go in a different room because he had to work as well. So me and her in a big bed, you know, outside the pillows. Uh, but I just think, you know, kids are different. In India, you know, you have to understand not everybody has a room. Mm. Um, they have to live in a room and the child... Is, is has to sleep in the same bed with their parents you know that's what you have to not everybody's privileged to have their own room it's not that Absolutely. we didn't have a room she wouldn't sleep in her room yeah <laughs> not until we moved to Thornbury she was two and a half okay. three years old and she moved in the bed you know yeah. sleep there. <laughs> but after, yeah after three and a half years she st started sleeping in her room she wouldn't oh, that's interesting. So you've got a long way to go. I still have, yeah, I have a feeling that 
because we're still breastfeeding like newborns, even though she's almost two and she's still sleeping with me. So I think, yeah, we still have <laughs> a while, but yeah. I love it. Uh, it's, and do you know what? Now she Reith is 17. She'll be 18 next year. Wow. So, um, you know, there will be moments that they don't want to talk to you and you want to talk to them. You know, the people's yeah. son. It's yeah. like when they are little, you're like, please be quiet. Let me have my five moments. And then they grow up. Then they don't want to talk to you. Yeah. The people do turn. So I'm like, yeah. oh, she's going to go to university next year. He will be leaving me. And then oh, wow. i It's so fascinating, I think, to be a mother of daughters well, I mean, in, especially in connection to food, because I feel that, you know, as women, we are subject to so many confusing messages about our looks and what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat. And I guess as a mom of a girl, you kind of module a relationship to food for them. You know, you create an environment for them that's ensures a healthy relationship to food um how how do you navigate that and um what was the journey into food in general from first bites to now eating as teenagers when i was growing up you know mom mom was a you know as a such fabulous cook and then she had cancer and and she could not taste any food and the woman whose life was you know around us around food um, so I had always like said to my dad, I want to go in the hospitality. I think hospitality industry is one of those industries that welcomes you with open arms, you know, and you can start from the bottom and move up your ladder and how, how you want to push yourself in there, you know? So my dad was like, you won't survive in the industry. You're not going to go and study that. You know, this is what I wanted to do. And this is where I belonged. I just think that food at a point when I was really, really down, that helped me. And I wanted to be able to, in a, to be in the industry that actually people don't mind whether you're educated or whether you are really rich or really poor, that all you need is hard work, you know, and, and, and you're focused to learn from people. And of course, there were, there were chefs who would shout and scream and things like that. Of course, there were chefs who were really amazing, who taught me a lot. So from when my daughters were born and, and uh, you know, for me, it was very, very important to be able to, to give a culture, back, go back to my roots, that way my mom would be, you know, started me with something um, very important, very auspicious and very, you know, something was rice pudding, the way we make it. Um, to the day... I would put spices when ne Reed was eating solid food when she was four months old, like solid in a sense that I would make soup and really, you know, blitz it. So she could mm. like, she was one of those children whereas Neve was very different. So she would have things like khichdi, which I make from, um, you know, rice and, and, and lentils and with turmeric and spices. I wouldn't put chilies for her, but I would put ginger, which is good for her and garlic, you know, and she would eat. She would love that. So I think um, it's really important, and I don't know, people do, I never bought those bottles, you know, I tried it once a few times and she just liked it. And so I made my own purees and stuff like that for her. But um, for, for me, I think it was very important that I go back to my roots and, and, and give a, a homeland of my homeland to, to my children now living in this homeland where I live. So, and also 
when I opened my restaurant was something, you know, Neve was six months old when I started doing this. Wow. So <laughs> I, did, I didn't play everything really easy. It was always difficult things and moving to, you know, Thornbury and starting doing this. I, I find that food was something I always go back to it. And it was really important that kids were brought up or first time food, what I gave it to them. It had to be my roots. It had to be my culture. It had to be something that I was, you know, fed when I was little. And now they they eat everything. They read, they got palates, they would eat anything. And they, you know, there's nothing they don't like eating. That's brilliant. You know? Um, you know, they also, they don't like going out with me because they say, mommy, you're very critical of the food here. <laughs> you know, the girls, the girls who never went to McDonald's or Nando's, when they started going to, uh, um, you know, their other school, big school, they started eating those things with their friends. You can't stop them. You know, I think it's also very important for them to understand uh, food, everything, you know, um, where food comes from or, or when I started this business in hospitality industry, I was, you know, I was really treated very badly by some people, um, but I had to fight my corners for myself. But these girls are fighting themselves, you know, they're wonderful and they really support all these cultures and they also are very knowledge about the food from different cuisines of different world i think it's also the parents how the parents are the also schools the school is brilliant school um so I, I think for my daughter to be you know i wanted them when they started weaning i wanted them to give something that was back when i back to roots go back mm-hmm. to my that's amazing i was something that i did seven sisters was um you know, having all these women, having all the women to do. Sadly, we couldn't, we haven't been able to do for the last few years. We've been all so busy. And this year with COVID, mm. um, I want to bring it back and I want to do it again because I just think that, uh, you know, all, all the women have something to tell about, talk about, you know, how, remember when we in Bristol and we were all chatting and laughing and, and creating those dishes and flavors that, we've never tasted before but having oh we we similarly like Olia was doing something and you were doing something oh I said oh my grandma did that way you know all that all the trade routes like going from all the different trade routes that passed come to India those mm. traditions came with all those you know things came with that's why I wanted to do seven sisters and I wanted her to have that going all the women going back to their roots and creating something delicious for everybody yeah that's what I always um always try to do that at home as well when I kind of do something and I want I want to kind of my daughters to know something I know they're very British you know they're very <laughs> in Montia, they're very much into their you know thing but I would not never say you have to marry this person you have to do this you have to no I just think they will they will make their own identity and mm-hmm. and, um, and they've always had they've always been surrounded with good food and they've always been surrounded with, with, with women. You, you know, most of I have always been surrounded with women around, around the food industry. So I think they always have, they found that women do help each other and women, they, when we all come together, we create something magic as well, you know? Mm, it's not, not something that we do have to show off. We never show off either. There are some people who want to, but... I think when there are women come and they really come and, and, and support each other. You've created so much, you know, so, f- you know, from starting 
you didn't have any connections to building your own restaurant and getting the MBE, um, your daughters must be like so proud of you. They must be looking up to you thinking, wow, like, is this really our mom doing all of that? How? Teenagers occasionally. So how do <laughs> they don't give a shit about it? Alita. I shouldn't be saying that. They don't give a shit about it. If their friends say, "Oh, I saw your mommy on TV," and they were like, "Oh yeah, whatever, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> Even like when I was like ready, study, cook, and do you know what? That was such an amazing moment for me because when I came to this country, there were there were a bunch of programs that I. I watched, you know, like Keith Floyd, Two Fat Ladies, and later on Delian and Nigella and Jamie came. But there was a program called Ready, Steady, Cook. It was mm. a, it was a good show. It was like something wonderful for the kids who come from school and they would watch it, and all the people who would who we would be at home. And I was one of those people who would watch Ready, Steady, Cook. And I used to watch this, and I used to think, oh, wouldn't it be fascinating to sit in the audience with a red pepper or a green pepper? <laughs> and then years later, they asked me to be on the show as a talent. Huh? Something, oh, I don't know. I was going through a really bad patch last year because my lease was up for the restaurant. Mom passed away and then we had to shoot for the book. We couldn't change the dates. I mean, it was a good something. Then there was mom. He played a huge part as you know, and the restaurant was the decision whether should I carry more 10 years or whether should I, you know, give up my lease. So the, it, there was so much going on and then came ready study cook. I think it was such a roller coaster year and I put on, and also I put on so much weight because I was so exhausted with so much happening and then amazing things happening. But then I wasn't, mom wasn't there to share with me, you know, and of course my family is there to share with me. But I think for me, I think that was something, you know, I, anything off for TV or anything about writing or any, if somebody asked me to do events, I always ask my daughters and I always ask Reeve because Neve is still, you know, she, she's 15. She's not that, doesn't get involved, but Reeve is very much and she would really give me good advice, you know, um, and uh, she would say, mommy, you should always, you do it, this, don't do this. So when Ready Study came cook and they just immediately said yes to me and I was like, I was, I was, I just burst into tears because I said, there's so much wrong happening in my life at the moment. I can't take this anymore. Um, because I had a, such a major accident in, in, in August last year that a uh, lorry came and hit my car and, oh my goodness. and on motorway. So I just think there was so much one after the other, mom in passing away, restaurant, then my, my car. And I just thought, you know what? I just... I was in a kind of a nearly nervous breakdown, you know, last year. I was just anything else happening bad, I wouldn't be able to take it anymore. I think also then my daughters became my mom, you know, that my daughters were always consoling me and helping me. And I think because of them, yeah, because of them, I think I got through last year and Ready Study Cook really completely changed my life. I think that was a point that sometimes you need someone to help you at a point, I think. And having your daughters always being supportive. Was, sometimes as a parent, you forget that, that daughters can, young or older, they can be so wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful that you get to an age with your children where 
you no longer have that very straightforward child-parent relationship and that sometimes they can parent you and offer you wise yeah. advice. And I think it's so important that you, you can do that. You have, to have the, you have to have boundaries. You have to be a parent. You have to be a mom in a point. But you also have to be a friend in certain points that you have to listen to them. And sometimes I, I, I take each and every advice in my career from them now the joy of be able to talk to your daughters and get the advice is very important i think another person who is a great champion of yours and your supporter is your husband of course and you guys been married for 23 years right god 23 years with that man yes <laughs> tell us all about it what is the recipe for a successful long partnership where we have two very different people um Gundeep is very placid very calm and I'll just don't think before making any decisions he'll just think 20 times before doing that he's also my organizer he also organizes any trips I'm going abroad so he does that for me but I just think that he also at the same time I would say he um respects me what I do and also has really faith in me you know in this industry there are so many men you know I travel you've seen I travel so much and and also I th just think that I'm very loyal to Gundeep in many ways because I just think that there are points that people can cannot be loyal to each other and not have that kind of bond you know sometimes you you go and in, in different zones and things can happen but I just think that I'm really comfortable with him I don't want to be with anybody else you know and and have that and also safe you know you have to be safe you have to and we still love each other we don't have to say to each other that we love you every single day or and the girls laugh you know we don't have to kiss all the five seconds you don't have to you don't have to be like physically um sure that loving thing you can you know it's I, I caring can be anything for it and for him he's not like that what you've made what you've done what you he's like you know he's a very honest man and i think that's why probably it's worked as well because we are very two different people in a very different lands <laughs> so, so i think he's a more sensible one than me i think that's probably it and and also i think you have to i don't know you have to I think I, I'm really comfortable and I'm not looking for anybody else. Maybe that's the thing. And he, same with him as well. <laughs> <laughs> and we're kind of running out of time now. Um, but I wanted to ask your last question. You do have such a wonderful, warm family. And just wanted to ask, what does a family meal look like? What does... You know, a dinner at Romy's <laughs> look like. 20 different things with teenagers. <laughs> one will want, I want this. One is vegan one day. One is vegetarian one day. <laughs> one is eating. So I think it's um, when you have, um, I think when lockdown happened, it was brilliant. You know, it was brilliant six months. Amazing because we would, they would do their schoolwork and um, Gundi would be working from home upstairs and the girls would do their school they follow the routine from half eight till three o'clock and I would do my writing or recipe in the kitchen so I think that work that we would go in the evening we would all go for a walk or a run every single day we had a set we went and uh, and we would eat for first time in our life we would all eat together and would eat the same meal now 
they've gone back to school husband goes to work so everybody's eating different things at different times it's the weekend we will would eat the same meal because one would say i don't want to eat this i don't want to eat that so i have to make sure this is why i get up if you've seen my story sometimes on instagram i get up early in the morning and half six make pasta for them you know pasta schools and pasta they want pasta for start sauce from a jar so i make pasta sauce in the morning i'll make parathas for them or um fried rice something like that they'll take to school that's all done in the morning for them and if they've had a hot meal they don't mind having whatever they want in the evening you know usually the friday nights is the only night i think would be i would say we all eat pizza so gundeep makes pizza i don't cook on fridays he cooks he comes from work and he'll he'll Uh, either i make the dough he'll make the dough or neve makes the dough um and then he'll make pizza for all of all the family that's the only night we eat the same thing probably do you ever refuse to give them what they're asking for just saying i don't have the time and you eat what oh they cook themselves now oh oh well, let's see them if i say i say you know i just didn't wanted to make something and they as i'll just make this they were like fine don't i'll make myself so they can they do it they're very capable and that's why i'm really when rita neep goes to university they will make amazing friends because they will cook for everybody <laughs> you know a lot of kids don't cook don't know how to cook um sarita's a very good baker and she cooks really but brilliant and neep exact you know same thing with neep they made us a meal on our anniversary 2 days ago and you know so they they are brilliant girls they they don't they don't depend on us and um, yeah probably what's the best skill to equip your child with and being able to produce a good meal yeah it's exactly they nourishes them and brings people together i mean obviously i've seen my friends just teaching their kids how to bake you know like cupcakes and stuff no teach them everything just not cheese and toast teach them everything mm-hmm. um so i they they can easily make wonderful things so i think if you teach the the basic things for your child your child can create amazing dish, dishes definitely yeah and i mean my daughter is too young to cook yet but she's always on the kitchen counter with me and i make sure that she absorbs that from yes early on because it's such an amazing skill talent passion to have so i very much hope that she inherits that from me <laughs> oh thank you so much romi it was so lovely to chat to you thank you for having me thank you for listening and for being part of the mother food community if you are enjoying this podcast please share subscribe rate and review it really does make a huge difference i'd love for you to join the conversation over on instagram where you can find me under alisa timoshkina and do visit my website alisatimoshkina.com to find out more about the mother food cooking course and enjoy the recipes featured on this podcast Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to share the next episode with you.